Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, Adam Tarno, joined as always by my co-host, John McGee. John, why don't you let the audience know what we have in store today? I'm a little nervous. I know you are. So That's why I'm excited. <laughs> your pitch was, let's do a favorites list. Yes. And I thought Oprah right away. I know. It's so wrong. And so I'm thinking about like spices. My uh, favorite new facial cleanser. Yes. Which, and I was, I was. I can't even I got, believe I just said that. You, yeah. <laughs> I, now, now I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, now, if you want to give away a card, everybody, you get a card, you get a card. That would be cool. Is that yeah. what you had in mind? No, not at all. Not at all. I, I like these lists. I know we're a little bit different. When a podcaster or a blogger says, here are my favorite books that I read this year, or movies that I watched this year. I don't know why I'm a sucker for those. Maybe because they're, they don't require any thinking. You just get to read the, the headlines. And We've I thought, hey, this be, down now. yeah, I think okay. it would be fun for us to do something like that. So I'm in, but we, we're going to do a twist on it. So it's not just our favorite books that we read this year. We're going to try to add a few little different categories, but we each wrote down four things that were some of our favorites from this past year, just kind of to reflect on 2019. It's been a great year. And so that's what we hope to be able to do. And all these will have a little leadership bent. Yeah. So hopefully there will be some value that we'll add to everybody that's going to take some time and uh, and invest some time to listen to this. So yeah. you want to kick us off? Sure. All right. Uh, so favorite memory. Yes. Uh, and, you know, uh, you just got to pick one. But uh, this, this was a fun one for me. So my oldest daughter, and we've actually talked about her a lot on the podcast, I feel like, um, she graduated high school this year. And so, uh, you know, two times in, what I love to do is get him away and just kind of reflect back. This is, you know, uh, uh, what, what we've tried to invest in you and, and uh, disciple you, remind you of while you're uh, in our house and we're going to launch you, those kind of things. And so, uh, so we went to Scotland and Matt had an amazing time. We had a little um, book of Scottish uh, prayers through the Psalms uh, from like cool. the 1500s. And so, uh, so we just Where looked at Where do you find back. a book like that? I have no idea. Amazon. You can find okay. anything on Amazon. <laughs> anything. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and so we just laughed and prayed and ate and climbed and looked at and all those kind of things. Um, so, uh, one of the places we went was Edinburgh. And so there's the, uh, you know, real famous castle, uh, that you kind of go to if you're there. Uh, and then when you walk out of the castle, you walk kind of down the main strip of, uh, Edinburgh is kind of where all the history has happened. And you end up, uh, St. Giles, uh, cathedral and, off to the right uh, of St. Giles is John Knox's grave. Hmm. Um, do you, John Knox, is that? Okay. So if you think like what uh, Luther was to Germany or Calvin was to um, Switzerland or France, John Knox was to uh, Scotland and led the Scottish Reformation. And really, like really uh, arguably the number one or number two, you know, Christian figure in all of Scottish history. Yeah. And so, uh, so I wanted to see his grave and we walked up and as a part, did line, you know, it was going to be there? Like, was that in your book? Uh, well, no, that was a book of prayers, but did you have a, another, like a yeah, map? Like, that hey, was there's saying? John, there's John Knox's uh, grave. And right, so, okay. so what the setup was, it's in the parking lot. And I thought, I mean, this is going to be interesting to see how they pulled this <laughs> off. And so I walk in and literally there is a blacktop, um, parking lot with numbered spaces and at space 23, there's a little plaque that's embedded into the uh, the blacktop. that um, says, you know, here's buried John Knox, the Scottish reformer or whatever it says. And over space number 23. Over space 23. So someone, you know, I don't know. Or I guess he's under yeah, space yeah. 23. So, which yeah. means that literally every single day, you know, someone comes into that little parking lot. Uh, whatever you drive in Scotland, a little Peugeot and, you you know, it leaks oil right on John Knox's <laughs> grave. Um and so, you know, uh, my daughter and I laughed and, and I just kind of, there was something about that moment that, uh, that meant a lot to me. You know, uh, my first thought was, well, I'm, I'm no John Knox. I mean, right. this is the number one or number two, uh, Christian in all of recorded history for a country. 
And at the end of it, 500 years later, he's buried uh, in a parking lot and people park over him all day long and give no thought mm-hmm. to who he is, to what he has done. And um, if that's what they did for John Knox, oh, and by the way, it was the only uh, grave that was marked. Everything else, they just didn't bother yeah. to mark it, they just paved over it. Right. And I just thought that's, I will be, I'm going to, at best, I'll be space 24 next to number 23 and something about that. I, I don't know, Adam. Yeah, it was sobering. It, yeah, it was sobering and also really freeing. Yeah. Like I don't have to spend the rest of my life trying to be somebody because mm. when I die, my kids will remember me, maybe my grandkids at best, but no one will after that. Yeah. So why spend my energies trying to become somebody that, you know, erect, you know, quote unquote, a, a, a gravestone so that people will remember me. What if I just you know, loved God and loved others and uh, looked forward to uh, eternity and, and tried to be as faithful as possible and not worried about uh, any type of legacy. And so that was a really, that was probably one yeah, of my favorite helpful. moments of the year. Yeah. And don't we have that? I think JP used to say it a lot, like preach the gospel, die and be forgotten, yeah. you know, yeah. and it is so easy to preach that from a stage. It is so easy to say that when you're feeling insecure or if you're watching a friend who's maybe getting some accolades in ministry or something like that, those little phrases right. are really helpful to remember, but maybe secretly we don't even like, it's easy to say, but not necessarily a life we want to live. Yeah. And yeah. and what I think I'm hearing you say is, no, that's kind of where this is going to go. We're all probably going to be forgotten. So you better get used to it now. <laughs> you're no John Knox, yeah. you know, and they won't, they'll just knock it down and pave over you. I like that. And that's uh, really so be free. That's good. That's a good one. All right. Great start to our list. Thank it's you. nothing like what we would see on Oprah, <laughs> favorite memory. Okay, here's the, here's one of mine. The tweet I thought about the most, okay? The I'm tweet intrigued. I thought about the most during 2019 is actually a tweet from 2017. And I, I really went out on Twitter like trying inception. to find it. And I don't know why in 2019, this is the one I thought about over and over and over again. But for some reason, I think somebody retweeted it and then I read it during 2019. Anyway, it's from Jared Wilson, Jer- at Jared C. Wilson. Here's the quote or what he said in the tweet. Every day I'm confronted by a low-level guilt from people who want me to make their thing my thing, but I can't love all things. Hmm. And that one, I'm telling you, I think in... Maybe it's just the fact that uh, I'm leading a large team right now for me and my, you know, my little quote career, it's, it's a, for me as a large team. And I feel like there are always so many things that I could care about, yeah. or maybe I just turn on the television and I see the number of issues that are going on in the world, or I just think about the church and the number of problems that the church is facing in our culture. It is easy for me to just be overwhelmed by the number of problems that are out there in the world. And feeling this guilt of just going, man, I, and here's what's crazy in my heart. I don't care about all of them, you know? And, and I, I really, cause, cause if I tried to care about all of them, I feel like I would be the most uh, mentally unhealthy and unstable person. Yep. And so as almost a survival mechanism, I have just said, I can't even think about that issue right now. Cause I got these other 12 that I'm trying to think of that are right here in front of me. And, and I feel guilty about that. And so that, I don't know why. So the same freedom that you felt maybe huh. going, all right, we're all going to be space 24 one day. I, I look at this one and just go, okay, that's all right. I'm confronted by this low level guilt. I cannot love all things. There's one person who can love all things and I'm not him. Yeah. And that that's our Lord, right? He's it. the only omniscient one who can know all things, be everywhere, have all the power, love everything. I can't. And so I, I need to do what, what Paul encouraged Timothy to do. I need to fulfill my ministry. Right. And I need to uh, not have blinders on all the time. I can, I can expand and get outside of my own ministry and, 
my own family, but I can't love all things and I need to be okay and just get comfortable with some of that low level guilt that's yeah. always going to be there. That's awesome. Well, I, I think that's, you know, God's, it's a subset of the way God gifts individuals yeah. for the church. He didn't get everybody kind of an equal measure of everything. That's he right. Probably didn't want them all to care about all the same things equally. Yeah. Uh, he didn't gift them all to do all the same things equally. So when we operate within our gifts and passions, um, church is built up, yep. God is glorified and, uh, Oftentimes we experience um, kind of a deep joy uh, in that, yeah. re- regardless of circumstances. Yeah. So that That's quote awesome. hung with me a lot this year. I thought about it a lot on drives home from, <laughs> from work and drives in the next you morning. You use that with Jackie when she asked oh, you to Oh no, do I care about all those things in my house, but uh, so yeah, you have to pick your things, you have to pick your things wisely <laughs> that you are going to uh, care about. So I like that. All right, John, what was your second? Uh, you know, just not nearly as spiritual or probably helpful. Um, so in the category of movies and documentaries, Documentaries. I'm just one. I, just, I watched it only one time, but I just found it fascinating. Uh, King of Kong. Yes. Have you seen that? I have. It's about the uh, the Donkey Kong, like the right. guy that set the record right. on Donkey Kong. Yeah. yeah. So it's you know it's a documentary, but it's it is laid out like um, an epic story. There's a villain yeah. and a hero, and you know there's uh, conflict, and you know it, and a it's, lot it, of men ignoring their families. <laughs> A lot of men <laughs> in the garage yes. playing Donkey Kong while their kids are asking for their attention. Yes. Uh, so, so much is wrong with it. Uh, but, you know, I think the thing, so, I mean, just a subculture that, uh, you know, I, I just found interesting. So as a, as a kid who grew up in the 80s, I mean, I was in the arcades, you know, What was your arcade that. game? Golly, uh, I was terrible at Donkey Kong. I, I yeah. didn't scare. Uh, so Galaga, I mean, I just kind of, everybody's good at Galaga. I'm yeah. not bragging, but. But you are. I, yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, Galaga? That's Galaga. Yeah. All right, like, I like that's, that. That's kind of America's game. Um, and so, I, you know, uh, it's, it, I don't even know how to recommend it, but I, the same effect, um, If you have you seen the documentary uh, Ajiro Dreamed of Sushi? I have, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of the same thing, you know, just these, these men uh, who give their life to something, um, you know, trivial. Yep. In Jiro's case, something delicious, um, you know, uh, but it's trivial, but they go all in yeah. on, I mean, all in, regardless, burn the ships and oftentimes relationships and both, both those uh, stories, the relationships are uh, really jacked, uh, but they're all in on something they're passionate about. And so those are always really good gut checks. Hey, what, what are you all in on? You know? Yeah. And if it's college football and we've got a serious problem, you yep. know, or uh, the next great meal or time with friends, if it's not Christ, um, and, uh, you know, uh, loving God, loving others, then there's, there's a serious problem. And, um, but I just find it fascinating when people go all in on, on, on anything yeah. uh, that's interesting to me. You know, and it reminds me a couple of years ago, John Abel, who's our, uh, director of worship arts here at Watermark, he was leading our staff prayer and talked about a television show he had been watching with his daughter. It was on national geographic channel, the doomsday preppers. Huh, yeah. And so here it again, people that had an overwhelming belief and a passion that led to them behaving in an interesting way and that they were preparing for this event. This is doomsday. And I remember him making a similar connection like you're making with this of just going, if a documentary was going to be made of my life, what is like, how is my life different because of an overwhelming passion? And, uh, and he, he did it. He, I remember leading our time well of just going, guys, I don't know if, uh, if I've changed my life as much as those people yeah, have changed their yeah. life for what they believe, it was, yeah. it was good. It was a good challenge. Good. Yeah. We asked Paul, what was he obsessed about? Yeah. You know, uh, Philippians three ten, right? I, I want, what, what, what do I want to know? What do I want to be? I want to know Christ. Yes. I'm obsessing about that. And, um, that needs to be number one. I like that. Okay. Uh, my second favorite from, 
uh, from this year, 2019, the book I thought about the most was Daniel Pink's book that came out this year called When the Scientific Secrets of Perfect Timing. And so here's why I've thought about that one the most. And we've actually, I've talked about it quite a few times uh, throughout this year and the different episodes that we have released, but he really just looked at the ebbs and flows that happen throughout the day and that every day has a peak, a trough and a rebound and went and found all these different studies on when people were at their best at what time of the day and just some fascinating stories in there. Uh, you and I have alluded to this on when we tried to record a podcast at seven o'clock in the morning <laughs> or seven thirty or something like that, because that's your peak. You're going to be at your peak in the morning and that universally the worst minute of the day for most people around the world is like two fifty-five PM. And so here's why I've thought about it a lot. Just as a leader, sometimes we're doing uh, deep work where we need to think about something. And then sometimes you're doing more trivial work. And so it really has had a pretty profound impact on the way I think about my day. I'm trying to get really hard work that requires a lot of thinking done in the morning. And I'm trying to push some of the other more trivial, just answering emails or uh, reading through some paperwork or whatever it is, just trying to do those later in the afternoon. So it's just made me more aware of just the natural rhythms that happen in the day. And it also has made me, it it is just so strange when I sit in a meeting that really is around that three o'clock time period, just how low everybody is. And I'm like, man, this is for real. 255 is terrible. Like we should, we should institute something like you stand up. I I mean, and that's what makes me, I look at the, at the the European culture with the siesta and I'm like, dude, that makes makes sense. sense. That makes sense. Just go sleep that time off and then come back when you're back at your I rebound. I work till seven, eight o'clock every night. I know, but if the whole, wor- if everything got, got pushed you. back, then I, I think you. it would be okay. So right, we need to find something we can do every day, 2.59 and just pull everybody out of a lethargic well, one state. One of my buddies, uh, David, who listens a lot and uh, we just got to the point on Fridays at 2.55, we call each other. <laughs> So we would just, we just talk about life at two fifty five. I was bored and I was low. I called you. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. But it was, it was mutual and we we enjoyed it. So that was, but yes, we should come up with something like that. So anyway, as a leader, think about your times of your day when you're at your best, probably in the mornings, you're going to do your best thinking and afternoon, you're going to be dragging a little bit. And so maybe, maybe switch some of those other important tasks around and that might be helpful. I found it helpful this year. Yeah. So if you're doing something that matters, if you're preparing a sermon, like do it at a time when you're at your best Yes, and when you can focus, I mean, it matters. It really does. You're not trying to just get through it. You're trying to serve, uh, you know, God's people well. And so that's not a trivial thing because if that will help you do that better, like you should, you should do that. Think about it yep. um, and, uh, and experiment with it. So it's really good. Good. Really good. You had a book too that you read. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, um, a, a book uh, that I'm still thinking about. Um, I don't even know if it's in print. I don't know how you, I got it at a little obscure little book um, uh, bookstore, um, but it's called Ministry on My Mind. And it is uh, John Newton. Uh, do you know John Newton? I don't know. Uh, him, yeah. Amazing Grace, John Newton. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so it's his, uh, it's excerpts of his journal when he was contemplating a kind of a, or wrestling with a call to ministry. Yeah. And uh, so it's not very big. And uh, it was just helpful for me to, to watch him uh, wrestle through, you know, a couple things. Um, one, the weightiness of the call. Like he wasn't, yeah, you know, he didn't put in his two weeks notice and, and, uh, take another job. Yeah. Um, what was he doing? He, Do you know? So he was, well, he was a ship captain. If okay. you remember yeah. the, the slave yeah. trader, all that kind of, th- which is a whole another fascinating story. There's another podcast episode on, um, the people involved in his life to get him to where he was. But, um, he's, he's wrestling with the weightiness, uh, of this and he's wrestling with his inadequacies and just going, man, you know, I know me, I know what I've done. Are you kidding me that you would use me, you know, which is a posture. I think that every yeah. pastor leader, yeah, healthy. um, you know, should, should have. 
And, um, and then you know, as you, you kind of re- uh, watch him wrestle on his birthday, he just is like, I'm in, I'm in wow. and, like, and I'm in till the end. Uh, I'm not going to be distracted with anything else. Um, and I, by God's grace, I'm going to give it everything I have for as long as I live. Wow. And, um, and, and so for me, you know, I, the takeaway was like, I mean, this was, this was not a game. Uh, this was not a job. Mm. Uh, this was a high and holy calling. Yeah. And, uh, and so if you're a pastor, um, you know, it, this is not, this is not trivial. And uh, I, sometimes when the emails come in really, really fast and uh, there's meetings and things like that, you get, think of it as a job. And I think it's a high and holy calling. And, um, and I need, I needed to be reminded of that again, uh, or just kind of feel the weight of, uh, of what we do. And so that was really helpful to me. Where did he go first after that? Do you know, was he pastoring a church or? So, you know, so he went from, um, yeah, kind of ship captain, if I remember the story right. And then, uh, was beginning to kind of, you know, teach and preach. And people said, Hey, you okay. like, you're really good at this. And the kind of the, um, encouragement of some others. Uh, there and then there was a little church that he uh, wow. uh, just went and, went and pastored and uh, yeah so um, it really is a fascinating story the, yeah. the, the all of it um, so he ends up in uh, that might be another t- uh, story to tease out sometime yeah. but uh, yeah so that was and that I was wonder fun. if some of the mega church culture at least here in the states <clears throat> has taken away a bit of that feeling of that sure. sense of vocation sure. and calling with it because. It's, it's just not as taboo in some parts of the country. We know we have listeners all over, not only just all around the country, but around the world, but uh, at least where we are down here in Texas and the Southeast, it's not entirely abnormal to go and do right. something like right. this. It would maybe take away some of that sense of wrestling because it's uh, it's maybe an easier decision in some way, socially, economically, a bunch of different ways. Yeah. And um, that is maybe one downside of, of this church era that we live in now. Yeah. It's so that would be, um, uh, very applicable to pastors. Yeah. Um, but I think if you listen, if you are uh, leading a small group, you know, I think there's probably a sense that God has you there and, uh, you're not marking time. <laughs> um, you're not just holding meetings. I mean, God's got you there for a reason. You should feel, uh, feel the joy, uh, but also feel the, the weight of uh, that. And in that, in that, in, and then in your inadequacies, um, rely on the uh, spirit of God. That's so, yeah. right. That's a really good reminder. I like that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> biggest, I, I've never heard this on a best of list, but biggest mistakes, like what were the best mistakes that somebody made throughout yeah. the year? And so this came into my mind that I made a mistake in the early part of leadership mistake in the early part of 2019 that I think led to the best change on my team and and maybe one of the most impactful learnings. If I was going to make a list of what did I learn this year about leadership and management, I think this would be number one. I yeah. haven't sat down, sat down and so intrigued and uh, written them all out. But again, I feel like I've talked about this a little bit, but uh, here, here was the attitude that I adopted maybe from about January till mid-March, early April of 2019. And the attitude was basically this is the the other directors on my team who I'm responsible for leading, if anything's going wrong or if they need to talk to me or if they need help, they will come and approach me. So I don't have to go initiate with them. They'll just come find me. And so right now, no news is good news. So if they're not sending me an email, if they're not popping in to my office asking me for help, then everything's going fine. I'm just going to take a hands-off approach just lead that way and just let them all be. And it's all going to be great. And then I don't know, by the grace of God, uh, my buddy, Ryan Howell and I sit down who's one of the guys on my team and have a conversation. And, uh, my strategy was not working. Let's just say that. And he was being so (laughs) kind to me to just go, this is not working. And, um, and so it came to that, 
to a head where there was another resource, another book that I was reading that was just talking about, and, and it was even on one of my uh, leadership best practices that I'm trying right now, just the, the touch-based meeting, the one-on-one, just a little bit of time every week with people on your team. That's my responsibility that's to take good. the initiative on that. And that's so right. That's right. that was a huge learning to me. It really changed it really changed my team and, uh, or at least they tell me and, and I feel that it was a change and we're all just going, yeah, I think we feel like we're a team more, uh, than we did in the, in the first part of the year. And, and sometimes, like I said, it's a very loose agenda. It's just, but it's just the habit of getting in the room face to face. What's going on. I give them my attention. They can talk about their work. Yep for a little bit of time. I think, so that was one of the biggest mistakes I made that I think really led to one of the most significant learnings for me, which is I have got to take the initiative with the people on my team. And even if I don't think there's something to talk about, the habit of getting in the room is still, is still uh, important and worth it. And it led to the most positive impact on my team this year. I love it. That's a great, that's a great point. So that works in any organization, in any church, in any team you're on, you know, a volunteer team uh, for sure. And that is your job if you're, you know, a quote unquote, the leader is just to initiate relationally yeah. with, if nothing else, just initiate relationally. You yes. know? So uh, Chris Hatley is our executive producer uh, here. He's in the studio with us and, you know, uh, Chris offices, his little desk is at a different place than mine is. And so I, I, I mean, I think Chris would vouch for this. I try to walk down there. Uh, you know, if I haven't seen him at all today, just real quick, I'm just going to walk by and say, Hey Chris, how are you doing? You know, having a good day, stuck anywhere something like that. So it's not, it's not, <laughs> he's, he just gave a thumbs up. Yes. So, you know, and that's it. But Hey, listen, uh, you know, but he's I, crying too. You, Why no, is he crying? He's, he's not crying. No, okay. uh, you, you, you're poor to me. I, it's, a, it's a courtesy. Like I can at least just say hi, check in yeah. same thing, you know, if you're um, in the workplace or if you are uh, leading a team, um, you know, don't just sign them up and say, serve here, go get them. And but, if yeah. I sat down and if I told you the way I was leading my team, but it was my family, like if you and I were sitting down <laughs> as friends and you're like, Hey, how are things going with Jake and Josh? And I'd be like, I haven't talked to him in three weeks. It's been great. awesome. You would look me in the eyes and go, you fool. What are you doing? Right, right. You know, but well, they know where I, they know where my bedroom is. If they've got something they want to talk about, they'll just come knock on the door. No. And so I, you know, it sounded like a great idea in January of 2019. And I, I'm really grateful for my friend Ryan that helped me to see, no, this is, this is not working. And, uh, and so it was, uh, definitely memorable. And one of the the mistake that led to the best change and the most learning throughout. I the love year. it. I think great leaders are principled at the end of the day, uh, but they pivot when they're, you know, you whatever go. it is, their tactics aren't working. Yeah, I like that. Well said. All right, John, I'm going to jump in and I'm going to go ahead and do my last one because I like your last one better. I want to end the show on that one. So here's the fourth thing that was one of my favorites from this year. And this is uh, this is the book I'm most looking forward to reading in 2020. All right. So All right. one of the first ones that will be on my nightstand in 2020, again, it's been out a few years, is by Dan and Chip Heath called Switch, How to Change When Change is Hard. And here's why I'm looking forward to reading that is that you and I, through this podcast, through the Church Leaders Conference, we have a lot of conversations about culture, yes. uh, organizational culture, specifically staff culture with churches. And I feel like there is so much to say on how to identify what your culture is, how to celebrate your culture. But there's another aspect to that conversation, and it's really the question we get asked the most is, how do I change my culture? Yes. And yes. it is just one of those that's it's just kind of a head scratcher to me just going, yeah, that is really where the rubber meets the road is, oh, I've identified the culture that's here. I don't want to support it. I want to change it. There are some things about our culture that we need to change. 
how do you, how do you change? And that's what that subtitle talked about. How do you change when change is hard? And so this was recommended recently as one of uh, a great resource just to get you thinking about how to change a culture. And so I'm really looking forward to reading that to not only look at areas here at Watermark, either at our individual teams or at the Watermark level where we, we need to continue to improve our culture and change our culture, but also looking forward to how that's going to help other churches. And you and I even talked about with the church leaders conference in 2020, changing one of our breakouts to be talking about culture, talking about all aspects of those and specifically really honing in on that. How do you change the culture you're in? Did you just commit to that? I did just commit to that. I think so. Yeah. No, that'd be fun. Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. You and I together. Yeah. That's great. I can look forward to it. Um, there will be, so much that I love about that. Um, but, but one of the things I think for a leader is like this, uh, there's an intellectual curiosity with you, you know, you, uh, you see a problem and you're not sure. And so you go steady think, yeah. talk to people about it. I think that's a really great best practice. And so no matter what you're doing, I mean, if you're a pastor, um, why is it that, um, I, I, my people aren't, uh, being courageous and sharing their faith, you know? So maybe there's books to read, Maybe there's conversations with other pastors. Maybe there's something to model, but to identify a problem, be curious about it, and then go set out to solve it and drive it um, through your organization and help people. And it's for, at the end of the day, it's not just intellectual curiosity. No. You want to help other churches in this uh, example, which is a, a, that's just a really great best practice. Yeah. It, it's what our friend Blake always says. We don't want to just be smarter sinners, yeah. right? Yeah. And uh, so this isn't just to try to be greedy, hopefully, and just get a bunch of information. This is this is going to be really great when it's going to help yeah. not only our church and our teams, but hopefully help some other churches as well. Yeah. Looking so that's, forward the, to it. that's the thing you're intellectually curious. That'd be a, just a great challenge uh, for some of these leaders. Hey, what is, what's a problem in your ministry or your organization that you need to solve? Go get curious about it. Uh, think, uh, read, pray, and, uh, and come up with some, um, some ideas and share them and Absolutely. Make, make things better. So, yeah. Really All right. Great. Why don't you share your last one? Cause I like this one a lot. This was your favorite ministry moment in yeah. 2019. Yeah. And so, um, uh, disclaimer, like in, this is truly in, in all humility, I'm going to share this. And, um, I think people know us well enough that we just don't sit here and try to brag about uh, anything, but it was a, it was a milestone and, and that's okay too. I think there's a lesson. Um, there is a, uh, a godless, um, bragging and, and boastfulness. And I think there is also a godly like rejoicing. Absolutely. And, uh, and so hopefully that's what this is. And so, um, we shipped early, very, very early in the year. Uh, we shipped, I think in January, uh, we shipped our 100,000th re-engage notebook. That's amazing. And just explain for the listeners that have yeah. never heard of re-engage. Yeah, just real re-engage quickly is, is a marriage ministry that we developed here at Watermark. Todd and I wrote the curriculum together. And, um, and so we run it 52 weeks a year. A couple can walk in. We say our tagline is if you're a one and you want to get to a two or a seven, and you want to get to an eight, re-engage is a safe place to reconnect, reignite or resurrect your marriage. And mm-hmm. so it's just ongoing, uh, marriage ministry is a great gift to the community about, I don't know, probably 60% of the people that walk in at the Dallas campus, uh, every Wednesday night do not go to our church. So it's been this outreach, uh, it's been a great discipleship tool. It's been a great way to plug people in. Uh, and oh yeah, by the way, their marriages get a lot better, yes. you know? And, um, and so, uh, we have people walk in with divorce papers in hand and now they're leading. And, and so just, it's just story after story. It, it's it, really, it cool. really, it really is. And you have to, uh, yeah, but, um, so glory to God, it has been, it's been a really fun run. So, um, the point um, in, in sharing that with our listeners is that you and I were both there when this thing began. Yeah. And, um, so everyone's really excited about reengage at our church. Uh, there's now almost 400 churches around the country that are using reengage. It did not start that way. Mm-mm. 
So there was both internal and in, in myself, uh, doubt, fear, opposition, as well as externally. And I, I can remember there's a gal who's on staff and we ran our first pilot and she looked at me and said, John, I just, I don't think this is going to work. I think it's a really bad idea. And there was a, uh, uh, there was someone at our church who had a lot of experience with marriages, um, and helping marriages. And he, he wasn't quite as kind. He was very, very direct with me. He looked me in the eye and he said, listen, this is a bad idea. This will not work. Mm. I think it will be more detrimental than helpful. Right. So as a, if you're in, you know, setting out on an endeavor that, um, now, to, it, be, to be to, the full story, those are some outliers, right? Well, and no one knew what it was. I mean, okay. now, now it makes sense. Um, uh, but no one, you're trying to do what you're trying to get people in a, you know, the different sound bites that would leak. Right. Uh, so this would be like, well, you're going to get people in a small group and have them talk about their problems with people they've never met. That's never going to work. So those kind of things, right. <laughs> uh, and a whole host of other things. Um, yeah, you know, there were, there, uh, there were some of those that were excited, but there was, there was, uh, there was a lot of those also internally and you were, Adam, you were there, you know, um, I, I was excited. I actually, you know, and Todd and I both, we were like, we were watching what was happening in um, our recovery ministry. And we said, there's a play here uh, for marriages. I, this has to work, you know? So like, I, yeah. I really hear me say, yeah. I believe in it. I wasn't, um, this wasn't a crazy idea and I didn't have anything else to do. But uh, I mean, I was really, um, I, I don't know, you know, what phrase to use, but undone through that process. Yes. And so I, you know. That is the perfect word to describe. Yeah. So I was there. I mean, yeah. I had just come on staff when uh, you had said, all right, this is, we need to write this curriculum now. Like this is going to happen and we're going to write it. And uh, is that what you're, yeah, that's the process that's yeah, you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. Um, undone is one word we could use. <laughs> um, you have any other synonyms? And this is a church leadership podcast, so I'll have to keep the words there. But uh, you, there were, I just feel like there were multiple times where you would come out of your office and you would just have this, uh, for some reason, the image that's popping in my mind is, is the, the professor from back to the future, like just this kind of look <laughs> on your face, with bewilderment, yeah. and just going, and it was, it was such a grueling process for you to like, we all have our different gifts, yeah. you know, and strengths and you believed in this, but the, the, the writing piece was hard, hard for you, you know, well, to, we were trying to shut a door. Short. Yeah. We we're trying to keep it short, you know, uh, three, uh, some of these chapters, well, most of them were like three, three pages or less. We, we wrote it for the guy that didn't want to be That's there, right. you know? Um, and so to take a topic and com- condense it down with 1500 words, oh my how gosh. do you describe grace? Right. How it plays out in the marriage in fifteen hundred words. Yeah, that's I, that's hard. And so I, I wrote some office. I wrote a lot. We you know I, I don't have a desk per se. I use Pam and I kind of share one. But um, I knew I needed to focus, and I set up a little card table. Like um, you know, if you got a um, yeah, but it, yeah. I think card table is probably probably a pretty good. It's it was a little bit longer, but I set that up in my room, and we just shut and locked the door and just sit down. You know, yeah. staring. <laughs> There's you know, it wasn't set up for a desk. So I'm just staring at a, a white wall, and I would just sit there. It's like you can't you can't leave until, uh, you have something of substance here. So just settle in big guy. And, uh, and I would, man, I would pray, you know, and, and God, please. And, um, and just all kinds of, you know, I don't want to overplay it, but there was some self doubt. There was some, is this a good good idea? Could we, how could we quit? How could we, um, you know, can I, can I hire someone in Upwork, you know, can I pay him five bucks an hour and just have them just Mm -hmm. knock this thing out for me kind of thing. And, uh, so that was where this thing started. Yeah. And, uh, and now glory to God. I mean, there's people who've come to Christ. Um, there's lots of great things that are, ha- that have happened. And, and the reason I share that is because, um, that's how all those things 
start. Now, the narrative, once you like kind of tip and people are interested in, a lot of times you look back and you forget how undone you were or how unsure of yourself you were or some of the missteps you made or you tried to explain it, you did a terrible job and you couldn't, you know, get any kind of support or following. Like that's the process. Yeah. <laughs> that's how that worked. Open your Bible and, you know, look at, look at Moses or anybody who's done, like it doesn't start great oftentimes. Um, and so I just give you permission if you need a permission this year, like to start, yep. take a risk, whatever feels scary, wherever you're full of fear, put your head down and go that direction and free yourself from having to have it figured out and not feel any of those feelings. Um, but, but don't do not go in a fetal position and not lean into that. You, you, who knows what God has. For yeah. You. Maybe, I mean, maybe, that's the essence of what we're to do at, as leaders is reject that status quo. Keep pushing something forward. You're telling this story and I'm thinking of the word faithfulness, just the faithfulness you had to stay with it, to keep the door shut, to keep typing. And uh, now here we are 10 years later and a hundred thousand books have been shipped and it's in 400 churches. It's not, again, like you talk about, it's uh, what is it? 20 years to be an overnight success. Mm -hmm. It is not, it, there's no such thing as overnight success with anything, especially with the things that we do here in ministry. And I was thinking about a story I'd been reading just recently, just remembering the life of Noah and that Noah you know, they lived in crazy ages back then. So he died when he was what, over 800 and he built the ark when he was 600. Okay. So being the accountant, I'm like, how much of his life had been complete yeah. before he built the ark? And it was about 60% complete yeah. before he built the ark. So yeah. in modern day times, that's about uh, 50 to 52 years old, yeah. uh, the average lifespan. So for Noah, the, the building, the ark was not the big thing. That was not his big break. That was just the next thing in a life of faithfulness. And as you read through the narrative there in Genesis, it just says over and over and over again, he was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful. He was faithful. And he probably didn't know this was going to be his thing that we were all going to know for Noah. Save the you know? world. Yeah. 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 And be on walls of children in children's nurseries, you know, right. that great story when God took everybody out, Noah. And yeah. um, so anyway, that that's what I think of with this, just the, the faithfulness yeah. that is there and just grinding away and just being faithful day in and day out. And, leaning into that stuff that's scary. It's such a great motivator. Yeah. And the, the other part of that too is like you, others, uh, God tends to bring you, you know, who you need. So, I mean, you, you were a help and, you know, obviously Todd, you know, so Todd and I kind of, uh, wrote it together and, um, and God will bring you, bring you the resources yeah. he needs. But, um, but you know, 2020 is, is, you know, it's either depending on when you listen to it, it just started or it's coming. And, uh, I just encourage you to take a risk. And you I, I, you know, at our, our team Christmas party, I gave everybody a little, uh, carabiner, um, you know, and, and talked about a risky situation we had been in and, uh, and just encouraged them to take a risk. And I just, I guys like, you're gonna be glad you did, you know, um, you don't have to live with any kind of regret that wouldn't it have been great if, yeah. and, um, you know, and, um, you know, I, I just think you want to, you want to finish, uh, 2020 as much as possible, uh, with limited regrets and, and do the thing that, you know, you probably should do the thing that you're fearful of. So Pam and I are talking about risk. We want to take in 2020, I encourage, you know, the team, uh, to take a risk and then told them, hey, I'd love to help. If there's anything I can do to help you take a risk and, um, and let, let Pam and I, you know, help you. And uh, then she and I just personally, uh, are going to try to take some risks and cause we're always glad we have, even yep. if we fail, we can cross it off the list. And it's like, well, we, we tried to do that, you know? Um, so take a risk and, um, great stories always have that kind of undone, uh, 
you know, nature uh, to Absolutely. it. That's, that's the way it works. Not everybody shares it. So I just wanted to, there you go. I, was, I wanted to share I like that. that a lot, John. Well, here's what I guess leaders could do with this. This has been fun. I think for us just to reflect a little on 2019. So regardless of whether or not you read these books or watch these documentaries, I know for us, this was a helpful exercise and it goes back to our episode on uh, best practices we're trying right now with you talking about the the end of the week journaling in, yeah. the, in the leadership yeah. journal. And this is another extension of that. And so if you're a leader listening right now, uh, you don't have to write down our best of list, but go create your own and get together with your team. And just what were some of your favorite memories? What were some quotes that you thought about a lot yeah. this year? Uh, what was a movie that you watched that actually you thought about and helped you in leadership? Just have these conversations. Where did They're God fun. show up? I mean, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating in a great way. Uh, to go back and to reflect, because I know as leaders, sometimes we are so future focused that we forget just to look back yeah. at the Lord's faithfulness. So this is something that uh, that you can do with your teams. Well, if you have any questions or comments on today's episode or topics you'd like for us to consider for future episodes, feel free to contact us via email. We can be reached at clp at watermark.org. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the show. That helps people find us. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you again next time. 